That was great. I love that song. Um, might be new to some of you, but hopefully we'll hear that again. Um, last month, we focused on God's vision for our lives, uh, which is going to be our overall focus for the whole year here at Huntsville Christian Church. And last month, I shared with you the values, the core values of Huntsville Christian Church, the, the mission, if you will, uh, the reason we're here today, and that is to prepare ourselves to win, commit, grow, and go. Also, I've shared with you this last month, our verse of the year, Psalm 119.37, which is, if you know it, say it along with me. If you don't, you still have time to practice. It's early in the year. Um, maybe you can remember it. I'll give you a second to just clear your mind. Um, and if you can say it with me, go ahead. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Wow, you guys did a great job having that uh, memorized. Well done. I'm very proud of you. This month, we're making a huge transition. We're going from resolutions of the soul, and we're going to talk about love. Our series for the month is called A Love That Shows, but it's a love that shows through different things. And so those things that we're going to be talking about is family, faith, freedom, and finances, and how we as Christians can show love through all those things in our life. Um, So I have to give you the warning. Probably some point throughout the month, you're going to be mildly offended, but that's okay. It, it, it'll, be, it'll be coming from the Word of God, not from me. But we're going to learn how we can show love through faith, family, freedom, and finances. You know, last year was a year of predictions. Um, the Mayan calendar predicted the end of the world. The, the political arena, the, the analysts made a lot of predictions about what was going to pass and who was going to be uh, the next president and who was going to be in Congress and all these different things. Um, NFL fans and NFL sports analysis people made a lot of predictions about who would be in the Super Bowl. And Andy, they just didn't make it, buddy. I'm sorry. Uh, as, <laughs> as we look through the year, there were a lot of predictions last year. And it seemed to me it was kind of a, a prediction-heavy year. And, and so I wanted to share with you some things today. This was an email that was sent to me. But what makes these predictions relevant for us today is I truly believe that as we seek to follow God's vision in our lives, as, as we look at a love that shows through faith, family, freedom, and finances, these really fit because as we seek to follow God's vision, not only will these things fit in our lives, not only will we, we love better and forgive faster and things like that, but these predictions are, are pretty solid. Um, you know, there are a lot of problems in our world, and it can be very unsettling sometimes to our mind. And so I want to share with you these predictions, and and I really believe them to be true. So no matter what's going on in our world, uh, if we as Christians, if we are seeking God's vision, what you're going to find is that the Bible will still have all the answers. Prayer will still be the most powerful thing on earth. The Holy Spirit will still move. God will still honor the praises of his people. There will still be a holy, there will still be Holy Spirit filled preaching. There will still be singing of praises to God. God will still pour out blessings upon his people. There will still be room at the cross. Jesus will still love you. And he will still save the lost when they come to him. Now, those are great things to remember. And I think all those things are going to come true, especially when we really understand who's in control. First Peter 125 says the word of the Lord endures forever. And as we start out with a love that, that shows, I just wanted to kind of put that back on you, that no matter what's going on in our world, the word of the Lord endures forever. Those are my predictions for 2013. Hopefully you'll uh, 
see those pan out and you'll see those follow through because of what you're doing in your life. If we focus on God and put him first, those things will happen in each of our lives and we will love more, we'll forgive faster, we'll be eager to live out a love that shows through us no matter where we go. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, uh, we come before you this morning. We look at love how we can reflect your love through us, how we can reflect your love through our faith. Um, and as we take a look today at, at King David and some other examples of faith and, and works, I pray that you'll open up our hearts. We'll be challenged by your word, that we'll be challenged by the examples that have been set before us. Help us to not be distracted uh, um, by the shiny things right now. Help us to to just be ready to hear your word. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So there we are, a love that shows through faith. How do we get into this? There are so many points, if you will. There are so many different points of view on faith, what faith is, how faith works. Uh, Do we even have enough of it? That's a question that people ask a lot. How do I know if I have enough faith? And I think what we need to know in, in, in today is that, well, we need a faith breakthrough. If we don't have a faith breakthrough, we're never truly going to be able to have a love that shows through any of these things, through our family, through our faith, through our finances. It, we, we really need a faith breakthrough. So I want to get started on that. So I want you to turn to 1 Chronicles 14. We're going to start in verse 8. 1 Chronicles 14, verse 8. But talk a little bit about, a little bit about King David. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, <clears throat> they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went out to meet them. Now the Philistines had come and raided the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of God. We need to pay close attention to that phrase because it's very important. David inquired of God. He says, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, yes, go. I will deliver them into your hands. So David and his men went up to Baal Perazim. Now Baal is a Philistine god and Perazim means breakthrough or the Lord of breakthrough. And there David defeated the Philistines. And so David said, as waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand. So that place was called Baal Perazim. So here's, here's the quick recap there. The Philistines come against David. David goes to God and says to God, what do I do? God tells David, go to war, and they break through. Okay? You may think, what's that got to do with faith? Everything. <laughs> Everything. Do we remember who the Philistines were? They were big. All right? Uh, David says, God, what would you have me do? Can I attack them? Are you with me? He inquired of God. He asked God first. And God said, go. I will be with you. The the asking is the easy part. God, will will you be with me? Yes. Now go. Wait a minute. Are you really going to be with me? (laughs) You really want me to go? Yes, go. See, that's the faith part. That's the breakthrough. David could have said, okay, God wants me to go. 
let's plan out how we're going to do this, guys. And, and it doesn't say that he called all his generals and all this stuff. It says he went. And that's that breakthrough. That's what we need. We don't need to just ask God his opinion about what we should do, but we need to be ready to follow it. That's, that's how the vision follows through this whole year for us. When we ask God something, we need to be ready to follow where he's leading. Now, it's very important for us to understand breakthrough. It, it's like, like right here, I love how David says, as water breaks out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand. It's like a dam bursting open. It's, it's like when you're, you're drilling through a board and, and you're, kinda, you're pressing and, and the drill's getting hung up a little bit. And then all of a sudden you get to the other side and you're like, wham, you just slam down. And usually if you're like me, you've also caught your finger in there somewhere. And so then you dance around a little bit, but it's breakthrough. There's no resistance. There's no holding back. Nothing stops you. That's what we should want in every area of our life, in our faith, in our finances, with our family, with our freedoms. We should want that breakthrough. Don't just ask God. Don't just inquire of him. Take what he gives you and move forward and break through with it. If we're going to follow God's vision, if we're going to live a life uh, with love that shows through faith, family, freedom, and finances, we need that kind of breakthrough in our faith. Now I want you to jump into the New Testament. Go to James uh, chapter 2, verse 14. James chapter 2, verse 14. So I've got you ready for a faith breakthrough. Now I'm going to talk to you about faith itself. James chapter 2 verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, I will show you my faith by my deeds. Verse 19, you believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. It, it's real simple. Here, here are the two things you need for, for that breakthrough in your life. Faith and, re, and deeds. Faith and action. We need both of those things. We're not understand, we're, understand this though. We're not saved by faith and works. I want you to understand that. Ephesians 2, 1 says, As for you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the rule of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. 
We were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are all God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are saved by grace. So the first question is, do you believe that? All right, some of you do. Good. (laughs) Does your life reflect that? Some of you want it to (laughs) what do you need to do differently in your life in order for your faith to be lived out don't holler that out right now but think on that what do we need to start doing differently in our personal lives in order for our faith to be lived out well i pray i read the bible i i do these things but are you acting on it are you holding it in many times as Uh, (laughs) Oh, sorry. Faith and works just go together. They're like biscuits and gravy. They're like love and marriage. They're like chocolate and peanut butter. You can't have one without the other. In my opinion, chocolate's worthless without peanut butter. (laughs) Now I got your attention. (laughs) If it weren't for a Reese's peanut butter cup, chocolate would have no purpose in this world. Let me just tell you that. But as we mature in our faith, we do things like this. And, and I'm going I'm to be transparent with you because ministers and leaders in the church, we're probably the worst about having seasons like what I'm about to share with you. We, we want to show the world that God is first and that everything we do, we do for him and his glory. And so we get so focused on the deed. Sometimes we get focused on the work, if you will. We sometimes overlook the faith. Here's what I mean. You can figure out where you fit in in this. When everything about you becomes so focused on doing the Lord's work and you think everything around will just work out well because you're doing the Lord's work. Have you experienced that? I know people that have. Deeds and works are good, but sometimes we think about it this way. Well, I go to church. I sing on the praise team. I I teach a Sunday school class. I work the check-in booth. I'm at a Bible study on Wednesdays. I work at the soup kitchen two nights a week. I knit baby blankets for the hospital. I serve on two community boards. I work hard and I set a Christian example at the office. I even do the communion offering thought once in a while. I sponsor youth group events and help put on, uh, you know, Sunday night events for the kids. I work around the church property. I'm showing my faith by deeds. And the result becomes that our family gets overlooked. And then we go, how did this happen? Um, I was guilty of that. Coming through Bible college, working a part-time ministry, working a job, being newly married. I'm out doing the Lord's work. My wife said, hey, I miss you. (laughs) It was tough, but she loved me through it. She straightened me out, shook me a little bit, got my attention. But I know I'm not the only one. I know that's what we do because when, when it comes right down to it, sometimes that's how we show our faith is by our works. And and the works overshadow our faith. And then there's the uh, this thing we need to understand in doing that is we can't neglect what's right in front of us. And we cannot outwork God. 
Okay? So there's, there's a balance that we have to come up with with works and faith. And, and then there's the flip side to that. We become so focused on growing in our faith that we overlook how we should serve. Uh, I read a story about um, a monastery where as soon as you go to join the monastery, you make a vow of silence for like three years. I'd never make it. <laughs> there are too many good things to say. You know, it's good that you want to devote your life to study the scripture or to study the word. But to study it and turn around and not say anything about it, I don't understand that. And I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about monks and monasteries, but I just don't understand it. And we get caught up in doing the Lord's work. Or we get caught up in being so focused on growing in our faith. Um, in my opinion, that's kind of like how the Pharisees were in Jesus' day. They knew all the rules. They had all the moves down to perfection, the ceremonial washings of their hands and the cleansings and all the things they needed to do. They knew all the right words, all the things to say in public so people would revere them and respect them as holy people. And all they really wanted was to be seen and heard. You know, my translation of faith without deeds is that you're so heavenly focused, you're no earthly good. (laughs) You get so caught up in, I got to study the Bible. I got to know what's being said. That was actually told to me by somebody a little smarter than I, and I kind of latched onto that. But that's what we do sometimes. Why aren't you telling people about Jesus? Well, I don't know enough. Why aren't you going to do this? I'm just not ready. You can't just be so in tune with one that you forget the other. You see, the, the breakthrough we need here is balance. Balance in our faith and balance in our deeds. I want to look back at 1 Chronicles 14 again, but we're going to start at verse 13. And we're talking about our friends, the Philistines. Once more, the Philistines raided the valley. So David inquired of God again, and God answered him, Do not go directly after them, but circle around them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move out to battle. Because that will mean God has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as God commanded him. And they struck down the Philistine army all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. So David's fame spread throughout every land and the Lord made all the nations fear him. Now at this point in his life, King David had a solid balance of faith and works. By faith in God, he led the country and he followed his faith with his deeds. He'd already beaten the Philistines once. And yet, he still inquired of God a second time. See, we can't get ahead of ourselves in faith. I already know the answer to this one, God. I'm not going to talk to you about it. You want me to go battle the Philistines. Well, yes, David, I want you to go battle the Philistines, but not the same way we did it last time. (laughs) We're going to take a different approach. We're going to come around the side this time. Why? Well, because I'm God and I said so. See, we... We can't just go on what happened in our faith the other day because God is continually changing us and challenging us and leading us to different places. So we can't just think to ourselves or to someone else when we talk about an issue or where we are in life. Well, this happened to a buddy of mine and God led them to do this. That may not always be the case. He'd already beaten the Philistines. He inquired of God again. And God answered him, do not go directly after them. Circle around them and attack in front of the poplar trees. The big deal here is, like I said, he's, he's already attacked them. He could have already gone on his own, but he asked again, shall I attack them? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord said, I will. 
And the second time God responds, go direct, don't go directly, but circle around. Attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of what? Marching in the tops of the poplar trees. As, David, as soon as you hear my signal, you'll know it's time to strike the Philistines' army. He set up again. Faith to inquire, action to follow it. David's faith in God from a very young age gave him the ability to do some amazing things for the Lord. He, he killed a lion. He killed a bear. He killed Goliath. He set out and he did some amazing things. It wasn't until later in his reign that he began to collapse on himself because he was no longer ruling in faith. There were a couple of times where King David uh, in his life later on where he wasn't living by faith and deeds, where he, w- he was depending on his own knowledge and on the wisdom of people around him. And the decisions he made and the deeds that he had done during those times did not end well. How about your faith? How about you? Does your faith help choose your works? Or do you try to outwork your faith because it's easier to work and serve for the Lord than it is to grow in your faith? One of my favorite illustrations of faith and works together comes from Charles Swindoll's book, Living Above, Living Above the Level of Mediocrity. And it goes like this. Legend has it that a man was lost in the desert, dying for a drink of water. And he stumbled upon an old shack, a ramshackled, windowless, roofless, weather-beaten old shack. And he looked about this place and he found a little shade from the heat of the desert sun. And he glanced around and he saw a pump about 15 feet away, an old rusty water pump. He stumbles over to it and he grabs the handle and, and he begins to pump it up and down and up and down and up and down, but nothing comes out. Disappointed and Just overcome by the heat, he staggers back. And then he notices off to the side an old jug. And he picked up the jug and he looked at it and he wiped away the dirt and the dust. And he read a message that said, you have to prime the pump with all the water in this jug, my friend. P.S. Be sure to fill the jug again before you leave. He popped the cork out of the jug And sure enough, it was almost full of water. Suddenly, he was faced with a decision. Well, if he drank the water that was in the jug, then he could live. But if he poured all the water into the old rusty pump, maybe it would yield fresh, cool water from deep down in the well. All the water he wanted and needed to make it out of the desert. He studied the possibility of both options. What should he do? Pour it into the old pump and take a chance on fresh, cool Water or just take the jug with him and sip on it as he went and ignore its message? Should he waste all the water on the hopes of flimsy instructions written years ago, no telling how long they've been there? Reluctantly, he slowly began to pour the water into the pump. And he poured all the water into the pump and he, he grabbed the handle and he began to pump. Squeak, squeak, squeak. Nothing. He does it again. It's squeaking. A little bit of water begins to dribble out. And and then a small stream. And he's still pumping. And finally the water just starts gushing out. To his relief, fresh, cool water poured out of this rusty pump. Eagerly he fills the jug and and he drinks from it. And he fills it again and he drinks from it. And he's, he's splashing it on himself. And he just continues to fill himself up. 
with the refreshing contents. And then he filled the jug up for the next traveler. He filled it to the very top and put the cork back in. And he added this little note. Believe me, it really works. You have to give it all away before you can get anything back. See, faith is not a a halfway thing. You got to get all in with God on faith and with the action that comes behind it. And you'll see some amazing things happen in your life. That's faith and works together. He had no idea if that old pump would produce water. But he poured it all in. He didn't drink some first. He didn't just pour half and, and try to give that a whirl. He poured it all in. And he was amazed at the results. And I'm here to tell you, when we allow ourselves to live by faith rather than sight or touch or logic, then we allow ourselves to put everything we have into God's hands. The wellspring of what will come will be more than enough to sustain us and to refresh us for the deeds that we are called to do. And so the question of the day is this, do you have the faith to empty the jug? That man could have done a lot of things. Like I said, he could have drank from the jug. He could have carried it on his journey and never primed the pump and never left anything behind for the next weary traveler. He, he could have primed the pump and, and just taken it, still taken it with him. Sometimes that's what we do. We, we come to church and we, we fill up the jug and we, we get our fill and we leave and we continue on our journey, never, sh- never sharing what we know or what we learn with the people that we come in contact with. As we seek to follow God's vision for our lives, as we prepare ourselves to live a life of love that shows through our faith, what will you do to prime the pump? Will you partner with us in ministry and serving and offering the water of life to our community? Maybe you need prayer and encouragement along the way so that your faith will grow and your deeds will be strong for the Lord. Come, the elders are here. We'll pray with you. We'll start some accountabilities with you. Will will you submit yourself to Jesus Christ? Make him the Lord of your life and your Savior. Whatever your response is to the Lord today, I pray that it's like David's. I pray that you will ask the Lord first, what would you have me do? And then move forward according to his vision And let God's love show through your faith. Will you stand and sing with us? And respond boldly to God's word.